And this is the David who later in another event, he said, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God that doth cost me nothing. It's dangerous to want a cheap religion. It's dangerous to want to serve God with the least rather than the most. And we know that our salvation cost God his everything when he gave his son. And I like this word of Nathan, the prophet to David. Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is the radio ministry of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and we're on the air each day at this time to bring you the message of the gospel. Now, as we come to the end of the year, we're sort of thinking of how we should be setting ourselves to serve the Lord in the new year to come. Soon the midnight hour will strike, and we'll be into a brand new year And we need to prepare our hearts that we may serve the Lord with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. In 2 Samuel 6, we learned of David's bringing the ark back. Now in 2 Samuel 7, we're going to learn about David building a house for the ark, or at least that was his plan and that was his desire. It didn't materialize in his lifetime. But God took the will for the deed, and that really is the theme of our message today, that the Lord loves willing service. He loves those who even are limited in resources, but have a desire to do all for God that they possibly can. So let's turn to 2 Samuel 7, and we'll read together this passage and this account of David desiring to build a house for God. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in? whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not an house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, 
and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom for ever. So this is the account in Second Samuel 7 of God's word to David, that while he would not build the temple in his lifetime, but his son Solomon would, and God was preparing the way and opening the way. But that did not deter David, and he gathered material in abundance that he might prepare well for the day when God's house is erected. Every Christian has a responsibility to be good stewards for God. We have a responsibility to use the talents, the gifts, the opportunities we have to serve the Lord with all our hearts. And I hope that there is in your heart today a desire to serve the Lord, to do something for his kingdom's sake. And so we turn today to this message on Second Samuel 7 from the pulpit of our church here. May the Lord bless you through his word as you listen in today. You see, discipleship is the Lord's way. We are disciples. We are servants. And wherever you go in the Gospels, you read of those disciples and the need for discipleship. If any man will follow me, let him take up his cross and be my disciple. We read in the, in the epistles where uh, men were to deny themselves and to follow and serve the Lord. And so these are the marks of a godly heart in God's service. I hope they're true in each of us, that humility, that uh, putting God first, then using our opportunities and those times of relative ease that we may say, I want to do something for God. Now, then we come to the encouragement of godly hearts uh, that are so needed. Well, the, the wonderful thing I see in this passage that David had an advisor. He had a tremendous friend in Nathan the prophet, and he consulted with his godly friend, whom you will notice was in his home. David kept companionship with the godliest man that was around. The man certainly that God used in David's life many times to be a faithful guide and to be a faithful messenger. And the man nearest to God is the one that you want to have for your friend and your guide. The, saw, the Proverbs tell us that iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And we would say in Canadian parlance that David bounced a few things off Nathan, and he had a talk with him. What do you think of this? And here's Nathan's response. Do all that is within thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. Do you see the encouragement that Nathan gave him? He didn't hold him back and say, oh, no, it's not time for that. He wasn't pouring cold water upon him. 
And uh, another prov- uh, psalm in this instance is, I am a companion of all that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. And so when you do uh, share your ideas and your thoughts and your plans, then you can get some godly counsel from those that would try to encourage you. And sometimes just one's enough. You don't need to go around the whole world and take a poll and do it the democratic way. If you know a brother or a sister is walking with God and they know their Bible and you can go along to them and say, look, I want to just share an idea with you. I think the Lord's leading me in this direction. What, what, how would you advise me? And just that heart-to-heart talk, God can use that as a tremendous encouragement. You'll notice also what Nathan said to him, the Lord is with you. Do, go do all that's within the heart, because God is with you. Now, Nathan certainly knew that. David would never have been in Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant in place and all the victories that he won. It was no doubt obvious that God was with him. And what an assurance, what a, a blessed assurance, the Lord is with us. And in the midst of that assurance, we want to make sure we're doing the right thing. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And as we go to the Lord and plead in prayer, then we have that assurance. Psalm 23 uh, is, of course, the psalm of the shepherd. In pastures green, he leadeth me. Now, Nathan was a prophet to bring God's word. And he was that prophet and messenger to David many times. And so we need to go to the Word of God, the Bible. I don't have a Nathan. Now, I know people call Nathan, but I don't have a prophet that I consult. There is no such thing now as a man who is infallibly moved of God to guide God's people in that prophetic manner as Nathan was. But we do have a Bible. We have the the completed revelation of God's Word. And sometimes I need help to understand the Bible. And it's a good thing to be able to go to someone and ask them, "Am, am I reading this right? Have I got the right understanding of this Word that I'm pleading and holding on to? Now, the person who knows his Bible will be the best encourager. I think that's usually true. The person who knows his Bible best will be able to give encouragement and say, yes, that is God's way. That's God's Word. And you can bank on it. You can stand on that for the rest of your life, whatever it is. And so you put your trust in the Word of the Lord. As I mentioned, uh, we were studying wasn't in-depth studies. We're just gleaning little thoughts and helps from the book of Habakkuk this week. And uh, the book of Habakkuk is a book of questions and answers. And it is the prophet quizzing God on what he's doing and why he's doing it this way. And then God gives the answer. And how often that is the way. Now, the theme of that book is the just 
shall live by faith. And we don't always get book, chapter, and verse for every minute decision in life. But we learn to trust the statements of God's Word, and that God's ways are right and good and just. One of the concerns of Habakkuk was, how can you raise up a heathen, godless army to punish Israel while Israel is a more godly people? It seemed beyond comprehension. And Habakkuk got his answer. Five woes against the Babylonish army after they were done, and God would punish them. Now, when we come to the Bible, God gives us answers. Let's take time in this, because this is so important. As I said, I don't have someone that I can go to who is my infallible guide. Now, I'm thankful that I'm in a denomination where I have colleagues and brethren, uh, and we can discuss things and go over things and seek guidance, uh, that we don't go off on a limb on something. But not one of us claims to be infallible. And we have made mistakes, and I'm sure we'll make more mistakes. But we do desire to do God's will. And the best way to get our answers, of course, is to say, is this biblical? Do you ask that question in your life? We're entering into a, a new year, decisions to be made. That's the question to ask. Is this biblical? That's uh, the, the question of the believer who is really trusting in the Lord. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 here, the book of Philippians chapter 2, and, well, uh, verse 4 and 5, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, that's not a recipe for coveting. It doesn't mean that I should desire what you've got and you desire what I've got, but rather we should be concerned how we may encourage and help. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, the whole passage in Philippians 2 is the humble mind. Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God, took upon him the form of a servant. And we are to seek to have the mind of the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, we have, of course, that passage, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. This is the help that Christians give Christians. This is how I can be a friend. This is how I can seek godly help by asking people to direct me to God's Word. And then there are those words of the Lord Jesus uh, where he said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. And that's how the Lord wants us to live, to abide in him. What does it mean to abide in the Lord? It means to be in communion, fellowship, in step, trusting, knowing his will, and if we abide in him and his words abide in us, that means we take his teaching, we use it wisely, then we ask what we will and it shall be done unto us. And so this is the assurance 
that God gives to his people. And so these are the encouragements that we need. David found that encouragement in Nathan. And I hope that as a church, we can be that encouragement one to another. We come to the rewards now, and uh, we go to verse 4. The word of the Lord came unto Nathan. And uh, this uh, emphasis on the rewards, well, first of all, God says, no, I don't want you to build a temple, but I'm going to have Solomon build the temple. And that becomes God's message to him. But God hears the, the desire, and he hears the request. It came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in? First thing I want you to notice, God noted the desire that was in David's heart. He was the silent listener to the conversation in the home of David, conversing with the prophet Nathan. And God was well pleased, no doubt, with the desire that was within Nathan's heart. There was no rebuke here. If you look at verse 5 through 7, I will go to verse 6, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but I've walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. You'll see here there's no rebuke for this. God has been well pleased to dwell with his people in a tent. And even though David was in a palace with a sealed dwelling, that means it had all the fancy furnishings and, and finishings, and it seemed that he was living as a king, and the Ark of the Covenant was in a house of, of curtains so temporary, God did not rebuke David for that. God was not upset with that. And so there was no sense of recrimination for any sense of failure, because the time to build the house had not yet come. And it was God's purpose that Solomon would build the house not David. Now, here comes the rewards. David had it in his heart to build a house for God. What did God do with that godly desire? God said, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to raise up a house called the house of David. And in these next verses, right down through to where we ended our reading, you have this tremendous revelation, what we will call the covenant of David, where God said to David, I'm going to take you, you who were the shepherd boy on the hillsides of Bethlehem, and I'm going to make you to be the very father of the line of Christ the Messiah. And this now becomes the revelation to David that I'm going to take your house, not a physical frame, but your family, and through the line of David would come forth the Messiah. Now, this is such a rich and such a, a tremendously uh, involved passage that I don't want to get into it tonight. I'm reserving it for future studies here uh, on Sunday evenings. But I do want to get into the covenants and the covenant of David. And by the way, David was the last patriarch, if you will, the last one with whom God made a covenant 
between him and Christ. That's why Jesus is called the son of David. He's also the son of Abram, of course, of that line. But David was the last identified spiritual leader in the Old Testament who would be of that the Messiah would come of his loins, of his house, and to be the Savior of the world. Now, we're thinking rewards here tonight. David wanted to build a house for God. God said no, but he took the will for the deed, and he said, I'm going to build you a house. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Let me say to you tonight, it pays to serve the Lord. The desires that we have to serve God, even when we do not fulfill them or fulfill them perfectly, God is well pleased with those desires. And he will bless his people for every attempt to glorify his great name. And there are rewards to the Christian for service. Maybe we don't give that enough attention in our Christian living. Sometimes we're afraid to preach on good works. Well, there are blessings for Christian service and effort to serve God. Because I am in God's family, and because I am in Christ, in covenant with God, God takes the least effort I make, and he's well pleased. It's called storing up treasure in heaven. Some men give their lives, their time, their energy, their zeal, their everything to make money and serve this world. And they exhaust themselves running after the dollar, and they miss the blessing of storing up treasure in heaven. But everything that you do in Jesus' name, right down to a cup of cold water, is recognized and is rewarded. That's the, the theme of this mighty revelation through Nathan that comes to David. I'd like to just pin all of that on verse 15. Um, here is God's tremendous statement that he makes to David. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. That forever is Christ and his kingdom, which is an everlasting kingdom. And David now becomes that link to the Messiah because Jesus is the son of David. When you are in Christ, everything is mercy. When you are in covenant with Christ through grace, everything is mercy. It's a covenant of mercy. Faith is grace. Love is grace. Joy is grace. Worship is grace. Prayer is grace. Service is grace. Fruit in your life is grace. And rewards are all grace. Not because of my accomplishments, but because I did them for Jesus. I did them for my Savior. And when we realize the, the, the tremendous price that was paid on the cross to redeem us and save us, to make us children of God, then, as David said later, that he will not offer 
a sacrifice that cost him nothing. A true Christian doesn't want cheap religion. A true Christian wants opportunities to serve. As David, that was the desire of his heart. So we'll leave it there tonight. And next week, Lord willing, we'll come back to these covenants. Pray that the Lord opens up this chapter. It's one of the pivotal chapters in the Old Testament. And we need to give it a a very special treatment in our study in the life of David. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. This is Ian Golliher, and I thank you for the opportunity to bring the message of the Word to your heart here today, even on this final day of the year. I'd like to just set your heart to Psalm 91 as we think of a new year beginning and of our need for the Lord's protection and guidance in all that we do. In the Psalm 91, we have a psalm of wonderful protection. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so that's the place where we want to stay. We want to abide and be in the very presence of the Lord. The psalmist said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. And here in these verses in Psalm 91, we have the Lord's reassurance of His watch care and of His guidance. As we soon enter into a new year, may the Lord of grace guide our feet and direct us into the way of blessing. And I wish that for you, that the Lord will make this new year a year of encouragement to your heart, and as you join with us here and the program day by day, as we let the Bible speak, that it will be the Lord speaking to your own heart through His Word, and that we will serve the Lord together. I want to thank everyone that has been in touch by email, by calling, some who have visited our church services. We are thankful for this opportunity to reach out with the gospel message. Now let us unite in prayer and close this old year by committing our ways to the Lord with thanksgiving and asking for His guidance as we soon enter into the new. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee today for the Word of God that shows us that Thou art a God of grace, a God of protection, Thou art the one who shall deliver us from every snare of the fowler, and we think of the new paths that we may be asked to walk in in the new year to come, the ways that we have not gone before. 
and I pray that it will be a way of that a pathway that will be clear and that you will direct your people into the ways of blessing. Remember those that end this year with some bitter disappointment, those who end with maybe even resentment. O Lord, will you take that away? Pour in the oil of your grace that hearts may be uh, resting in the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus. For he is our hope, and he is our strength. And in this new year, may we, by thy Spirit, be enabled to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We pray that you'll confound the devil, that you'll deliver us from the jaws of that roaring lion, and give us peace, yea, the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Be near to those that are troubled and tried. We ask that you will pour in your blessing and make this new year to be a year of much fruit flowing out of our lives. This we plead and pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. And in closing, I like to say thank you. Thank you for being our radio friends, for joining us each day as we come to the microphone to let the Bible speak.